It's what they call everything but the kitchen sink. Is it? No. I, Does I, it? I'm trying to be funny and I'm not doing a good job. Hi, everybody. It's Opinions Are Cheap with Cameron and Chad. Say what? I'm not Cameron. I say Cameron's name first because that's how our jingle goes. I guess so. Um, How did that start? Oh, you introducing most of the episodes, maybe? Yeah, but if I'm introducing, I should introduce my name last, right? Um, I don't, I don't know. I guess technically, grammatically correct, yes. It's usually like, other person than you. Yeah. But fuck that shit. Sorry, I'm doing that because I'm looking at Nintendo news. What's the Nintendo news, Cameron? Have you been playing the new Zelda game? Fuck no. Because a lot of people have. Yeah, they're called Zelda fans. I guess. I so I really <laughs> didn't like. Um, like I, I think I'm on the record of not being a super big fan of Breath of the Wild. Yeah. But my hatred grows every passing year. Oh, cool! That's always fun. Yeah, and so with the sequel, it's like it kind of just looks like it's more of the same. And people are getting so excited about it. And I don't understand why, because it looks like more of the same. Like, how are you not bored of this yet? Uh, so I don't know. It's just whatever. I didn't plan on playing it. Sure. Uh, so when it leaked, I was like, oh, and I'm super curious. You know, it's I'm, I have this morbid curiosity. How bad is it really? You know, is it is it true that they're adding more story and substance to the formula. Are they going to fix blank? Are they going to make blank better? Anything like wh- what's different? What's new? So I've been watching all these videos and it's sort of strange to me how like it's one of those things where I don't want to be right. So it's frustrating watching clips where it's like, yeah, I'm really glad I'm skipping this one. Sure. Sure. I, uh, I'm reminded of like, I've had that happen before. Where you don't like something, and then, like, two years later, you're like, man, I fucking hate that thing now. For me, mm-hmm. it was Ready Player One. Where <laughs> I, I, you know, went through that book, and I was like, oh, this isn't very good. And then, like, the more people talk about it, I'm just like, man, that book was bad. And now I hate that book. And it's only partially my fault. That's my story. That's a good story. Yay! I'm looking. This, these threads go by too fast. Uh, there was a dramatic scene. I guess this counts as spoilers, so I shouldn't talk about it. So, is it been like the whole thing has been leaked, or like video of it has been leaked? It, can you play no, the, the game? The whole thing's leaked. Like you could. Uh, it, it comes out the 19th, but you can just play it like last week. Oh, you have to like pirate it, or you just go on Nintendo site and buy it. Uh, no, like pirate it. Like it's up on on multiple backup torrents right now. Hey, he threw a, a freaking boomerang and had an explodey on it. That was kind of fun. So I guess this is like the one thing people are happy about is like you can you can combine two weapons or two items. So it's like people are just experimenting by like gluing two things together and seeing what happens. And it's fine. Like, I, I get the appeal of a sandbox game. It's just that I, I'm kind of like, it's been a long time since we've had a Zelda game. Yeah. So I'm kind of in the mood for a Zelda game. So watching them spend six years making something that looks like the Nintendo Wii U game that came out. I'm just sort of in disbelief that people are this excited. Yeah, I can see um being a little disappointed. I don't know what I want out of Zelda. I don't know what I want out of anything when it comes to video games. I play. I don't play them anymore. Yeah, I, that's why I wanted to have this talk with you because I was curious how much of this even like entered your orbit. Uh, evidently not a lot. Like I knew the new game was coming out, and I knew it was like Breath of the Wild, the sequel, and that was enough for me to go. Well, I probably won't play that because I didn't play the first one. Uh, anything that's like, hey, it's open world and bigger. I'm just like, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't have enough time or energy, which is why I still haven't played Elden Ring and probably won't just because I don't want to spend 80 hours on a fucking video game. 
And I bitch about this a lot, and I feel like it a, a broken record who is also just a withered husk. Like I am makes me feel very old sometimes to be like, back in my day, the games were shorter. And technically they weren't. I played so many JRPGs when I was younger because I'm like, well, I can only afford one game a year. I better get one that'll last 50 hours. Yeah. Uh, if we're talking about like controversy lately. Okay. Uh, Redfall. Have you heard about Redfall? No. So Redfall is Xbox's big release. It's their new big AAA. This is the real deal. A new IP, new experience. This is you're gonna play this game nonstop. That's gonna be the best thing ever. Okay. Uh, uh, I guess it's like people are timing it out to be like twelve hours long. Perfect. And well, yeah, that's the thing. I'm seeing complaints about that, and it's like, well, no, that's a selling point for some things. <laughs> like, that's uh, that's not the worst part of that game. What's the worst part of that uh, game? Uh, everything about it, but oh, it, it's uh, yeah, I like. It, there's, I've seen montages of characters that just don't animate, like their feet just like slide around. Well, that's funny. Um, Redfall it, gameplay, yeah. Redfall before you buy, that is not a good. Oh, here's a gameplay full game walkthrough uh, that is under six hours. That's also probably not good, depending on who you are. Depending on who you are. I tried Redfall to see if it's that bad. Yes, it is. Damn, people are really not liking this game. Yeah, uh, you know how game journalists will give everything like a 9 out of 10? Yeah. They're giving this like a 5. Wow. Like a 4 to 6. Like, it it seems pretty unanimous that it's bad. I gotta watch Uh, the trailer now. Okay. Not all images appear in game. Also, my favorite thing to see when I turn on a trailer. They just they, they kind of do this thing where uh, since they announced it, it very much felt like, oh, I'm not the target audience. So I kind of checked out. So seeing it release and getting so much uh, buzz on the news has been very weird. Is it like a zombie game? Uh, Yeah, it's um, it's vampires. Oh, but, I think I, I mean, do know about this one. Oh, it's made by Bethesda. That's why it has fucking glitches in it. Um, Bethesda? Really? I think they published it. I mean, the trailer's doing a decent job. It looks kind of fun. Yeah, I think I heard this on somebody's show. I think it was Defining Duke. They said the, the hardest working employees were the marketing team. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it just seems to be revo- re- reviewing very poorly. And what's interesting, too, is it's on Game Pass. So a lot of people don't have to buy it in order to play it. Oh, that's nice. They can just, like, download it on Game Pass. Yeah. And so normally that kind of helps because you don't have that sting of, like, well, here's my game budget. I'm going to dedicate my month to this game. It's like, oh, no, I, I, it preloaded. I could just play it right now. And then people are bouncing after a day. Like, yeah, I'm not going to spend time on this. Yeah. So that's a shame. Uh, I don't remember what my point was. And I brought this up. Um, I don't know what your point was either. But I wonder if I'm really kind of curious to read the reviews of this now. Just because it's been a while since like. I think people have been like, hey, a game is bad. Am I really going to read the IGN review for Redfall? I haven't been to IGN. Wow, they did give it a 4 out of 10. That is really low for IGN. I haven't been to IGN in so fucking long. An undercooked shooter by every metric. Redfall's chief problem is that it's simply not ready to be played. Oh, that's a bummer. Because, you know, that that part's not really the developer's fault. They they know their game's not ready to be played. It's just the... uh, it gets released too early because, you know, deadlines and publishing houses and making video games professionally seems horribly miserable. Like pretty much doing anything yeah. that seems fun on paper professionally is horrible. It's just not it. I don't recommend it. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't either. Get a job think, you hate and uh, then enjoy your hobbies. Yeah, I think the happiest people are like independent people who also can sleep at night. If you're in a situation where you can't sleep at night, then don't, like, commit yourself to a three-year-long passion project, you know? Yeah. Uh, did you play Renoki's game? No. I kind of meant to, because I know he wanted, um, 
uh, reviews within the first X amount of days. That didn't well, the happen. the first day. Yeah. Did I know you played it because you, you, you showed some screenshots. It had some very cute sprite work. Oh, yeah. It's very fun. But uh, it, it's it's uh, funny watching him develop it because he's been working on this for a while, right? Yeah. But it's like that's not his day job. And I think he aspires for it to become his day job. But he has his uh, his priorities in order. And then yep. I see some people where they're like, oh, man, we got to set up a Patreon and make this and do this and, and you know, whatever. And it's kind of like they don't know what to do once they don't make rent on the first month. Like they didn't plan this out very far. Right. And their their working tech demo is they got the square to render, but it's not jumping when they push jump. I hope it does well for them. I mean, I, I think once a year I get like a, a check from Steam for a hundred dollars for for the game me and Joe put out, and uh, you know it's not great or anything, but it it pays for the website and it makes it seem like it was a worthwhile endeavor to a point. Mm-hmm. We all we all made it work out. Is there anything else you wanted to complain about? I don't understand uh spoilers. Okay. Has have have you ever felt like a game was spoiled for you? Um a game definitely not. Yeah. I I feel like the game is an experience, right? Like yeah. that should be the appeal. So I I don't know. I, I uh there was another game. It was the Horizon 2 came out, right? But they had okay. DLC recently. And uh, uh, Colin Moriarty will not stop complaining because he opened Twitter and the first thing he saw was spoilers about Horizon 2's DLC and how disappointed he is. And like he's been talking about it for weeks now, about how upset he is. That he knows the main character is gay now because there's a screenshot of her kissing someone. And how, like, he, he doesn't understand how people, like, can't have respect that, like, it just came out six hours ago. Why would you post a screenshot? And he, and he's, like, flipping out about it. And I'm trying to figure out, like, was, was that, like, when you sit down to play the DLC, you plan on spending these three hours, like guessing if the character's gay or not, and you can't wait to, for the mystery box part, or is it because you want to shoot robot dinosaurs? Right. Like I, I'm confused. Like what the what was spoiled, experience wise. It's not a romance. I, It'd be one thing if it was a mystery romance, and that was like the climax to it, where you find out if the main character is going to kiss a girl or not, and then if she will like it, like the Katy Perry song. But that's not what that game... I've never played that game, and I know that that's not what that fucking game is about. Right? I, so, but I was thinking about it, and I'm trying to remember, was a game ever spoiled for me? And I think that I can say yes. Uh, but it's a very new trend where you show up... Uh, like You know how these adventure games, like you run around or whatever, but they'll be like... You get to a room and there's a puzzle and I want you to think about like playing dead space, right? You might enter a room and there's a thing on the wall, but it looks like it's missing something. And then you notice, oh, you know what? That that piece over there on the other side of the room looks like it would fit in that missing hole. Yeah. Like but I can't get it from here. So how do I, I got to slow down this and use my ice gun to freeze the gas and, and then use that as a bridge or something. And there's this new trend in games, uh, these like major AAA games, especially the one Sony's putting out, where uh, you'll you'll enter the room, and your sidekick character will say, "Oh, it's missing the the power converter. Oh, it's over there. I bet if you use your ice thing, you can cross the bridge." And it's like I didn't even look at everything yet. What? Why did you tell me how to do this? And it's like it, it's ruining puzzles actively. Because they get playtest data where someone will, like, they can't solve the puzzle. And so the feedback is, oh, well, we have to put in the solution to the puzzle so people can fix it. Say, well, how about, how about you ramp up to it? Or, <laughs> or maybe there's, like, a hint button you can opt into. Like, I just, uh, n- normally if I want to play a game, it's because I want a little bit of escapism. Yeah. And being treated like a baby 
uh, takes away from that. I would rather waste time experimenting than just walk into a room and the character says, you can push A to jump. I mean, it reminds me of uh, that Sky- was it Skyward Sword with Fee, where you'd walk into anything and then she would show up and be like, I'm going to explain stuff at you. And you'd pick up yeah. a nut and be like, cool, this is my 10th one. And she'd be like, that is a nut. You can use those as currency for this place. Yeah. And there's a, a reason why I think we don't talk super fondly about Skyward Sword this many years in the future. And I, I think watched, um, that, yeah. A uh, Jacob Geller video the other day. I've been watching, going through his channel as I like paint stuff. Because he's, he's kind of a fun, pleasant watch. He does a lot of well, more video game content than I normally like. But uh, I like how he presents things. And he was talking about a game called Returnal. Which is a, uh, I think it's kind of a roguelike third-person shooter. You're 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 on an alien planet and you're you're shooting aliens and you're trying to get off the planet. And uh, it's kind of a bullet hell, isn't it? Yeah. And so the main twist in that, and I'm gonna spoil it because I don't think it matters that much, but it you you basically died and that is hell. So you get off the planet and then you die and and uh, of old age and then you wake back up on the ship and you're basically stuck there forever. And that's sort of like once you get through the cycle the first time that, you know, that's the big main twist or whatever. And and to me, I, I didn't know anything about this game. He got to that point. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to play this game now. That sounds really cool. There's like theming and uh, neat shit going on narratively that is hidden in the in the background while you shoot aliens or whatever. And so. That's the kind of spoiler, though, that I think could affect how you view the game because it is like a Shyamalan twist. And knowing that ahead of time can cloud your judgment or maybe it'll make you mad because you're enjoying this and then someone tells you that. At the same time, the game is called Returnal, which is like return and eternal. So it's not like they're not playing it fast and loose with what's going on. And then there's other stuff that happens and, and it's all very like... As he was going, and then the last boss, I was like, oh, I bet I can guess what the last boss is based on uh, everything you've told me so far. And then I guess correctly. And I don't think it's because I'm like that genre savvy or smart. Smart. I just think like sometimes games, you know, they're not quite as clever as they think they are. Or they don't care that you guess the ending because like it's still really emotionally effective. Even if you know what the last boss is, it doesn't matter. My, my takeaway from that video was, hey, this game looks cool. Next time it's on sale, I might pick it up. So yeah, in that case, I don't know how many times like I'll see I'll see a review where they explain everything and it feels like, oh, well, thank you for telling me. So I actually know what it is. Yeah, I I, I don't know I, if you really like jingling keys. I think not knowing is half the fun. But oh, OK, let's let's rag on normies and their Marvel movies, right? We can do that. Um, I think. One of the reasons that the Marvel movies are popular is because it's new to a lot of people. And so when they announce something like Guardians of the Galaxy, I am excited about it. But other people don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And it's like the more they show things that I've seen before, it's like I've seen it before. But a lot of people don't. Uh, like my, uh, my mom didn't know Modoc was a character. And I was upset with how they did live action Modoc. And she was like, she was pretty convinced that that wasn't even a real character and they made it up for the movie. Because <laughs> it was like, it was so bad, it didn't seem like it was based on something. And it just, it, it's like we we're watching a different movie because I'm going in with certain expectations and it's like, I would rather know as much information as possible so that I can have adequate expectations. Sure. That's how I enjoy things is by like actually, you know, going through it uh, literally. I know when I was watching the Owl House, because um, I mentioned at some point on like Discord, oh, I'm almost done watching the Owl House. And then I go onto Facebook and Facebook's like, here's an Owl House Facebook group. You might want to join this. And like the one post I see was someone did like a little web comic of kind of the ending to the Owl House, or at least a, a major plot point to it. And I was like, oh, that sucks. I, I didn't really want to know that. Also, not that surprised. Also, we'll see how it works when I get there. Because, you know, that... Yeah. The The argument to be made that I've heard a lot, and I think I've made it before, is that, like, plot is the least important part of basically anything, and it's, like, the only thing that can be spoiled. Because you can, like, explain the themes and metaphors to someone, 
And that's not a spoiler. Like knowing that going in can make you enjoy things more because you're looking for them. But they're they are ultimately more important. Character beats are more important than just the base plot who lives and dies. You can go into a movie or a book or a video game knowing a character is not going to make it to the end and still really enjoy it. Actually, that whole thing is kind of like played with really heavily in the fourth uh, Dark Tower book because it's a uh, uh, Roland is telling like, here's my story. We've hung out for three books. I'm going to tell you my origin story. And, you know, kind of spoiler alert, it doesn't end very well because I'm here and none of my other friends are. And so you start reading this book and you're like, oh, this book is really good. I love all these characters. And the whole time you go through it, you know they're all going to die before it's over. And when they do, it's still really fucking tragic and sad and, like, heart-wrenching because the characters are really well-written and the fact that they die is, like, only part of the equation of why they their deaths, like, work. It's everything else that leads up to it. So... Video game spoilers are interesting because I remember when 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 Elden Ring was coming out and Joe was like first starting to play it or, you know, waiting for it. He's like, I don't want to know what any of the bosses are. I don't want those to be spoiled for me because I want to like see them for myself for the first time and learn how to fight them by myself. Like that is my enjoyment to the game It's basically like, don't don't tell me how to solve the puzzle. I, I get that. That to me makes sense because it, it wasn't plot stuff. It wasn't world building. It wasn't characters. It was a very core piece of gameplay because that's why he's there and that's part of the experience. So if you're going to like spoil Zelda, it's not about whether you kill Ganon or not. It's sort of like, what's the last item you get that's really cool? Because that to me, I want to like unlock and not know about because it'll probably be really cool. Maybe not something we've seen before. And then, you know, you get that nice shock of surprise. Like, oh, I get to play with this tool. That's awesome. Is I think more important than like a plot beat. I think what frustrates me more is how it's hard to find uh, I'm, I'm going to say communities where people are on the same page because I would love to talk about this stuff. And I think you're the only person I know that's like literate enough to process this conversation. <laughs> I can't imagine that's true. I'm not that smart. No, you are. But I mean, most people aren't. <laughs> I'm having I'm having trouble like whenever I talk to somebody about some of the stuff, it's just kind of like they're the same kind of people where if you mention a movie, they're kind of go, oh, I don't know, I haven't heard it, no spoilers. And it's like they, it's like they're trained to say that, but they don't actually know what they're saying, or they they're not sure what. I I don't know. I don't mean it. it I'm I'm asocial and don't have a lot of friends, and so I, you can see why. Because I'm clearly think little of everyone around me, but man, it's like lately I feel like I've been getting really burnt out on dumb conversations with dumb people. Sure. My my thing, I hit this weird between element where like I'm over Marvel movies, I don't need to see them again. And then every once in a while, my mom will convince every all of us to like, hey, let's watch the new one, and I'll be like, fine. And then it'll get over, and I'll be like, shit, that was actually kind of fun. Because at the end of the day. The Marvel train knows what it's doing. And even like a bad Marvel movie is still worth the popcorn and soda to, to sit through it. And I think that's okay. I, you know, that there's, there's room for that kind of, of, of content in my life and the world. So obviously in the world, it makes a fuckload of money. So I'm not begrudging people for liking Marvel movies. I wish, uh, I wish they would be a little more interesting. I, I, couple years ago i was so excited for guardians of the galaxy 3 then it got delayed and then gamora dies in uh the last jedi or whatever and now she's got her clone in this one and i'm just like i don't give a shit about guardians of the galaxy 3 i will eventually see it though just because osmosis will kind of force me to and i'll probably really enjoy it and the, and then when rocket probably dies or whatever i will be sad and then when uh peter and and gamora kiss I'll be like, yay, they finally did it. And then Drax will say something silly, like, oh, I never miss. And I'll be like, ha, ah, that was funny. And then I'll go on with my life and I'll forget I watched that movie, you know, four days later. And you know what, though? That's okay. Because in the moment, it was good. I think the bottom line is as long as you're enjoying something, it's okay. Yeah. Um, my pessimisms aside, I just can't relate to stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I want to complain about something that I think is vaguely in, in line with this. I just finished the okay. Stephen King book, uh, 11 2263. I think I talked about this oh. uh, a week or two ago as my glad spaces. I'm reading a new Stephen King book. That's fun. My I finished the it book did. and I I have complaints. And my biggest complaint is that I I'm reading this because I want him to the main character to stop the Kennedy assassination so we can go forward in time and we can see what the fuck happened and it can be like this weird elseworld story about the nature of man and nuclear war or whatever, right? And it's not that he 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 stops the Kennedy assassination around page like eight hundred of page nine hundred and twelve, and you know he's gonna fucking do that because that would be a really shitty book if he didn't. If he spends eight hundred pages trying to stop Kennedy from dying and then doesn't, that would be so dumb and nihilistic, and and no one would want that. So you know you know that's gonna happen. You don't know how, and you don't know what the casualties might be, but you know that's gonna happen. And you only get like 60 to 80 pages of shit's fucked up in the future. Might even be less than that. It felt less than that. And I was so frustrated because like what I wanted out of this, I didn't get. And then I feel like some of the big hype stuff, like I knew was a foregone conclusion because I've experienced stories before and know how they are structured. And then there's like 400 pages of stuff that God just really dragged. When Stephen King writes a mediocre book, he he hits it really hard. Like he he fucking goes for for mediocrity, and I think this one was mediocre, which is weird because I think a lot of people like this one. I didn't read it, so I can only weigh in so much. Right, right. But I I don't I I also okay. Let's go back to me nitpicking. Time travel always makes me kind of go like yeah, whatever. I generally don't. I, I like know this time is travel. like a smarter book, but man, I feel like I have more examples of time travel I do like than I don't like. But ultimately, I don't really like time travel. That all being said, Ooh. it was nice to read a Stephen King book again. It had been a while. Uh, yeah, and I I think with this one too, it's like it's kind of different than some of his other stuff that he like cranks out because i think the backstory on this one is he's been working on it for actually a very very long time right yeah he did a ton of research on this on this one yeah this is i I swear this is where he started changing his his writing style a bit and there's like old king and new king and this is definitely like when new king started to emerge based on kind of my reading of it there's a lot of Stephen King books I have not read, so it's, it's possible it's been a much more gradual slide. But I know it, it's it's definitely different than how he writes. Even just like it's it's a first person story, like he doesn't do that as often. Um, there's there's lots of little things. It's one of those like reviewing books can be really fun because there's just so much to talk about. Because it's like oh, this is like a eight eight or nine hundred page book. It's very big, but even like shorter books, there's so much to talk about it and what makes a book good. And so I could go on for a very long time on like what I liked and did not like about this one because I can get super nitpicky. I'm not gonna because I don't think there's gonna be a lot of interesting things to say. But ultimately, I went into it thinking I was gonna get something totally different because the new and exciting stuff is we changed the past. How did that affect the future? Not, oh man, look how weird the past is. I wonder if we can change it. Like, I don't know. I, I wish it had. Uh, I wish I had known a bit more of what to expect. I think that would have, if I had known the ending ahead of time, I could have set my expectations and enjoyed the, uh, some of the romance and the, you know, the character interactions a bit more. I think can't believe no one spoiled this book for me, Cameron. I want to ask you a writing question. Okay. If you were going to write a story about time travel, how would you approach it? Um, I don't know. I've uh, I've never really had any time travel ideas. And if I did, though, wait, that's not true. I think I did write a time travel book once or a short story. I remember the twist of that wasn't that they were making something to go back in time. They were making something to go forward in time. And it turned out to be a bomb. And it was going to be a bomb that showed up somewhere, someplace, and it would explode and like change future history. 
and I can't remember most of the details. It did not go over super well in my writer's group. It was not one I went back to. Um, but I, I think I think going forward into the future is a little more interesting than going back in time. Because back in time, it, it creates so many paradoxes and ripple effects and just things I don't want to have to deal with. Where going forward in time is just, now it's a sci-fi story. We don't have to get weird with it. I think it, if you go back in time it has to be either a personal adventure or it has to be a gimmick about a major event yeah and so you have to be really into the jfk assassination and care a whole lot about all the intricate details for a story about stopping jfk right yeah uh you look at like back to the future it's more about, wow, a time machine, and oh, oh I, I messed up something personally. It's like they could they could actually do, like, if they wanted to, they could do a TV show about Doc Brown's, you know, educational uh, stops through history, and it would be really boring, you know? <laughs> uh, like, because, like, from a practical standpoint, if you could time travel, it's like there's a bunch of things that we want to see, you know? yeah. Let's uh let's solve Roswell right now. I'm gonna go over there and set up a camera real quick. Uh stuff like that. So I, in, in I'm this, with you. Going into the future is more fun. Uh, but yeah, what? In this book, so when when they first start time traveling, they, they there's a guy that's like by the area they come out of, this little little rip in space time. He's got a card in his hat and he's drunk. And uh, he turns out he's like, he understands time travel. He's like a government agent from the future. And they guard these little time bubbles and try to make sure no one fucks up time. And you don't learn about this till the very end of the book. This is an actual spoiler. Um, and so uh, the main character, Jake, ends up talking to this guy far in the future, or I guess in the past, and, and, and gets an explanation, a little bit of how this works, and he's like, I'm not a space alien, I'm just like a dude with a job, and this is an occupational hazard, because it's actually really hard, and it kind of fucks us up, and a lot of us become alcoholics, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, I want this guy's story. This guy sounds way more interesting than the dickhead that has to go back and fuck with time. Like, this story from his perspective would be so cool, because he's like, oh, I get Jake wants to like, Fix the world, and you know he thinks if he saves JFK, all these good things will happen. Meanwhile, my job is to make sure JFK dies. Also, my head really hurts because he keeps fucking with the past and is changing the future, and I have to like make sure I can put it back together again, like Humpty Dumpty. Uh, I really need a drink, and I think I think that is more interesting. It would have been a much more fun story than than what we got, but also like that's the kind of sci-fi shit I want. Whereas this wasn't really a sci-fi, this is more of a historical fiction piece or a historical something. Yeah, I, I also heard that. Um, did you listen to Andrew Heaton's discussion on it? I did not. I, I forgot he did that. I should really listen to that one. Yeah, I recommend that one. You you would get a lot out of it after just reading it. But I remember he brought up specifically. There's this whole like, uh, romanticized uh, boy. Weren't olden times neat? kind of a thing where it's like half the book is just like Stephen King being lost and like this weird version of the past that it's like he wishes he was in. There's a little bit of that and he tries to temper it every time he thinks he's getting a little too like saccharine for the past. Um, Cause you'll like, he'll be like, man, this is great. Also crazy amounts of fucking racism. Like it's, it, you know, that sucks or, you know, Oh, also, uh, the medical advancements are really bad. That shit sucks. You know, like he'll try to bring stuff like that in play, but there are giant chunks of the book where it does feel like, oh, I guess the past is like the, the main character is enjoying his time in the past more than the present. And seems like he would rather live there and even like thinks about doing just that. So it, it is a, uh, it, it's a little weird. Did you ever see planet of the apes? I want to say yes, but God, it's been a long time. Did you ever see Planet of the Apes 3? No. Uh, do you know what Planet of the Apes 3 is about? I have no idea what Planet of the Apes 3 is about. So, the the a couple of those stupid monkeys, they, they travel 
back in time to our times, and it's a planet of the humans. Oh, that's kind of kind of funny. That that sounds like a yeah. sci-fi shitpost movie, but it, you know, I'm here for it. So it kind of feels like a sci-fi shitpost movie because most of the film is them just like being interrogated, and it's just like them in a cell, and it's not like an adventure where they're running around and on horseback and stuff like it. It's just them like sitting in a room and discussing sci-fi philosophy. I bet it was very cheap. Yes. <laughs> um, It's funny how that first movie kind of like people view it as a classic and it was like, yeah, it made enough money. They just kept like forcing sequels that didn't need to be made. It seems to happen a decent amount with, like, the older movies, right? Like, this was really good. Let's make four more no one wants. Like, Jaws 3 or whatever. I've never, I've only ever seen Jaws 1, but I know it has some sequels and they're not very good. Oh, speaking of sequels, uh, I was watching reviews of the new Picard season. Picard season 3. Oh, yeah, how are people liking that? So, it's handled by a completely different showrunner. And completely different writers. And it's pretending the first two seasons didn't happen, pretty much. It it reminds me a lot... Remember in Rise of Skywalker, where there's, like, more than one, like, petty, like, offhand remark about Last Jedi? Yeah. Where just kind of like, oh, yeah, that wouldn't work. Oh, yeah, uh, no, holding... I, I would never throw my lightsaber away. It's important. It's the Holdo maneuver. So they do that. <laughs> where, like... In Picard season three, it's like, hey, if you didn't watch season two, that's better. That's just, you know, get that out of your head right now. We're going to pretend that didn't happen. And it's very strange because I'm tired of this petty stuff uh, out in public in a professional setting. Like, if you have a beef with a coworker, can you imagine, like, airing that on national television? I mean, like... From a, you know, as like a fantasy, sure, it would be funny, but would I ever do it in practice? God, no. Yeah, I just, I don't care for that stuff. Even if it's, you know, quote unquote better, even if it's a better product overall, even if he's in the right, it's kind of like, look, you got to deal with the story as it is. It's weird to present this because it, it, you have to keep in mind the viewer. <laughs> like, let's pretend someone watched season two and they enjoyed it. Now right. season three doesn't make any sense. It's like this only works if people agree with you. There were definitely parts of Rise of Skywalker where it seems like they were shitting on the 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 Last Jedi. I couldn't remember the name of it for a sec because that's how much I care about Star Wars now. And I'm just like, well, I actually like that one though. You're, I, you know, don't don't talk down to me. I'm I'm on this I'm on this team, and also I'm trying to like your movie despite its a horrendous amount of flaws. Man. Rise of Skywalker is such a mess. It's we're recording on Star Wars Day. Did you do anything Star Warsy? No, I for I, I saw some May the Force stuff and I was like, oh yeah, that's cute. I forget we do that. And then uh, in one ear and out the other. I I care about some things. I feel like my opinion on so many things we talk about is like I guess I don't care that much. And I don't know if that makes me an asshole or if I just means like, well, I don't get frothing mad over stupid shit that gets a lot of YouTube videos. I, I I don't know what I am. I try not to be a centrist, but also I don't care. I think my problem, it's really I bring up stuff that you don't care about. Not that you don't care about enough things. I wish I cared more about the stuff you care about because you care about it and I care about you, Cameron. You don't have to. Oh. Well, I'm gonna. I feel like we, yeah, I feel like we enjoy enough things that overlap. Yeah. What did we do on VR chat the other night? Um, we flew World War II planes. Oh yeah, we were flying planes. I, okay, yeah, that was fun. I want to. I want to do more painting. We have to have another paint night. Yeah, we do. We we crank some pigs in the crank zone. No, you got to say it right. I can't remember how it was was worded. It the the phrase is crank your hog. Oh, crank your hog. That's the joke. You sent me a picture of me and Joe cranking hogs, and Joe was in that, like, horrendous Knuckles avatar, and uh, I got to share that one around a bit, like, hey guys, look how cursed this one is. 
And the response was <laughs> largely, oh, that's very cursed. Yes, that's, that's fucked up. Why, why would anybody do that? We went to a really pretty place and you were a giant Warhammer android thing and you shot r- rockets and lasers at us. That was fun. That was fun, too. I I just wanted to talk about something positive because I feel like I've been super negative this past like hour. Oh. I ended up not getting uh, another drink, so good for me. I kind of wanted to, but I didn't. Yeah, that's good. I want to do the safety dance. Ba-doop, boop, boop, ba-doop. I'm trying to think if there's like anything else I can tag onto this conversation that had a couple of vague through lines, and I don't know if I do or can. Okay, um, let's talk about space travel again. Okay. Time and space travel. Time and space. I uh, I understand the narrative ease of uh, sci-fi settings where every planet has the same atmosphere and gravity and time... And like, <laughs> like I, I was talking to somebody about this on um, like Space Station Thirteen lore discussion, right? Okay. And I was talking about how like there's a lot of alien species here. Can we point out that you know humans are used to a 24 hour cycle, and you know something else might be more used to a 50 hour cycle, and stuff like that. Yeah. And also, like, you know, the the time it takes to travel, like, in a, in Alien, like, how many years did it take to actually get there? Like, they come out of cryo-freeze or whatever, and, like, time has passed because it's space travel. Yeah. You know, there, there's, like, there's a real cost. Even if, like, you're frozen, the rest of the universe isn't frozen. And it just, I feel like some of these uh, concepts can be interesting if you want to write that kind of story. I don't complain when every planet has Earth's gravity, but once in a while, I'd like to see a planet that didn't have Earth's gravity. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think about that when it comes to like languages, and you're talking to aliens or a fantasy realms, or and it's like everybody speaks the same thing, and it kind of gets glossed over. Uh, I know it, it it has to right, like because at a certain point, the story's got to progress and idioms are going to be what they are people end up accidentally writing them into stories but everyone you know you'll you'll see like someone use a phrase and be like oh i know like the etymology of at least two of those words and uh that word would not exist in this this realm because it it has a very hyper specific way it came into being you know shit like that i also think about like think about like olden times like uh like settling in the US, right? There was a part where people said, hey, if you head out west, there's gold. And it's like you'd pack up everything in your wagon and you'd head out and no one would hear from you from years. Like no clue if you found gold, if yeah. you're alive. Like like the, you, you out there in the, uh, what cut off from, uh, you know, did they have this, uh, those things where you go beep 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 yeah they certainly oh, didn't have regular counter? mail runs yeah and, and it's like you, you know there's like a lack of communication and i think about like i want a space story where you know like you arrive at a planet and it's like oh cool this here's this planet we're gonna do this research here and it's like a you know it's a multi-year mission like we're setting up a base and we're gonna you know observe this planet for a while but also it's like 50 years to get back to earth. Like we, we don't even know if like, like world war three could start and stop by the time that we get back. Yeah. I want that kind of a remoteness. Cause I find that stuff really interesting of like, Hey, you know, the, the universe is a big place and you don't have access to all the universe. You're, you're limited and there's only so many things in your control. And those things are the only things you can worry about right now. You know what's funny is I feel like the alien movies kind of get at that level of isolation yeah. a lot better than most sci-fi movies. And those movies are pretty old now. And then The Martian, um, Andy Weir's book or the Ridley Scott movie, whatever your poison is, like that was a huge part of that is Earth and Mars are a ways away and this guy's fucking stranded until they can build another rocket and come and get him. 
and that's going to be a while. And it works really well. Like that, like that stuff when it's used in sci-fi is extremely compelling. And it is disappointing that it kind of gets forgotten. Like Star Wars is a big one where these planets, sometimes it seems like they're supposed to be really far away from each other. And then they go from one to the other. And it's like, oh, did like two days pass, three days pass, like two hours? How I don't understand the scale of time in Star Wars. And I wish I did because I think it could make things a lot more interesting if they played with it. But they they really clearly don't want to. Yeah, I also think about stuff like fuel. Like uh, in Star Wars, I have to imagine that it costs money to travel. Yeah, you and think. this is one of those nitpicks I really don't like in Mandalorian. Is every episode he goes like back to Tatooine. And it's kind of like, imagine if I wanted to go up to Northern California, but I kept stopping over in Arizona every car ride because I want to see, hey, have you heard about anything? No? Well, okay. And I drive up to Northern California and then I stop back in Vegas and it's like, hey, have you heard anything? No? Okay. I come back down here. It's like, that's not how you travel. Right. There's... There's that element, and then just the money aspect in in Star Wars in general always kind of weirds me out because it seems like there there are times when like the characters are clearly not well to do, and that's part of their character or part of the plot. Like I never understand how much money um, the Mandalorian has, but I know he's a bounty hunter, and like he's got to fix his ship, and so it's clearly a thing he's got to deal with, but he never really has to deal with it. Yeah, it's also like uh, I, I think about some of the stuff with um, uh, IDs and things, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like you can just kind of like you can scan a ship and say, oh, yeah, that's registered or not. And I think about like the logistics of, um, you know, I feel like the Empire has the means to pretty much, uh, you know, police every single airport. So where does the Millennium Falcon land besides in a cave? Right. So whenever I see it not in a cave, it's like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, to be fair, though, the Star Wars universe, like the technology, what what we take for granted, they don't have. Because there are so many times they're like, well, you know, they'd probably just have like a camera out there and you could just see what's going on. Or they'd be bugged in a way where you could follow them. I mean, like certain GPS stuff that we just have. They don't seem to have in Star Wars, um, which is kind of funny, but it's sort of like, we, you know, going back to Alien and they have these giant chunky ass computers and you're like, OK, that is a that is a different universe than the one we live in. Things don't quite work out the way they do here. They got crazy long space travel, but uh, the, you're still got like a, you know, 20 megabyte processing power on your PC. So you can't translate stuff really fast. You can't do this or that. And it, I, I don't know, like, wait, why, why can't everybody just translate everything in Star Wars? Like, most of the droids can, or at least some of them can. And then there's others that don't even speak English, and you're like, I don't know how to speak binary. And it's like, well, why, why are you making robots that can't fucking speak English? Or, or whatever is the common language in, in this galaxy that's so far away. It, the little shit like that, that... <laughs> Shouldn't it's matter, also weird. and it doesn't until it's a plot point, and you're just like, yeah, but that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's um, it, they they do this in Star Trek where they actually explain that there's like a translator, and it's like everybody has a thing in their chip that, or they have a chip in their ear that will automatically translate things for you, and that's how the translator works. Okay. But it's like it's never portrayed like it's working that way because in reality, it's like it, depending on the language, you would have to hear at least one whole sentence before you get the sentence back to you. Yeah, but that would be like awkward and annoying, so they don't film it that way, of course. But like once in a while, they'll do something stupid where it's like, uh, oh, there here's this uh, alien language that the, the computer can't translate because it's it's just some sort of like thing we haven't you know analyzed yet. Stop it! Stop it! Turn off. And uh, they'll they'll make it a thing for one episode, and it's presented in a way where it's like, shouldn't this be happening all the time? Like, how come you bump into like a green jelly monster and can immediately translate it before it said a single thing? Right. 
uh, like you should always have this problem. <laughs> so it's kind of like I wish they wouldn't do those episodes. Um, there's this one stupid one. Have I told you about the one where they have this like language that no one in the universe can translate? Um, I'm not aware of that one, but it doesn't surprise me that that's a thing they do. It's this alien race, and they keep like sending communication. That they want to join the Federation, but every time the Federation ship shows up, it's like they just can't communicate. And it's sort of like you have to just take it as a narrative and let the th- let the details slide and sure. let the story play out. Um, but it's funny because what they do is uh, their their language is structured around uh, stories. So instead of saying I'm thirsty, it's like I would have to reference a memorable time that we both understand where someone was thirsty. Okay. So it's like John Wick in the desert. And it's like from that one scene and we would understand, Oh, you mean you're thirsty and you could hand me a canteen. I kind of love the idea of like our language is only in metaphors and similes. And it's like, Oh, that's really inefficient, but kind of whimsical. It's kind of whimsical. And that's what the episode is about is uh, Picard gets beamed down to the planet and they have to fight a monster. And it's it's the basically it's the two captains and they can't talk and they have to fight an invisible monster. And so it's Picard trying to decipher the language. And he realizes that every time the guy says uh, uh, Talangro when the walls fell, he's referring to a heroic story where someone stood his ground. It's like, oh, okay, you want to fight the monster together. And the guy's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, okay, what, whatever. But it's one of those things where if you think about it too hard, it's like, no, nah, that's stupid. But you can kind of enjoy the story, again, from that narrative perspective along the way. Because yeah. you kind of decipher it the same way Picard does. So you're along the ride with him. Like, I, I feel like the the idea was there. And it just wasn't perfectly executed. But it's kind of fun because by the end of the episode, you feel like you can speak the language because you learned what the key phrases were. Okay, you got the Rosetta Stone. It, a little bit. It's it's a it's a weird episode. Isn't there? I can't remember what the sci-fi thing is, but they like find out that the alien species speaks through smells and pheromones, which wouldn't be that abnormal considering how many animals and plants and fungi like kind of communicate through different pheromones and odors and whatnot. It's a very common way to for, for species on Earth to interact with each other. And so it's like, oh, man, we can't understand what they're saying. And then it's like, oh, actually, they, they, they talk in smells. And they're using a totally different, you know, one of the five senses, primary senses, to, to communicate. That stuff's interesting. I swear to God that that isn't a thing, and I don't remember what. It's funny, though. That's something else is, like, uh, if you look at how animals are, animals hear different frequencies, and they can see different colors. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we might see, like, let's say we meet Martians one day. They'll just all talk in, like, some dog whistle language that we literally cannot hear. Like, <laughs> for all we know, they've been, like, beaming messages to us the whole time. And it's like, we just weren't deciphering them. Or it's like how there are certain, like, uh, like the mantis shrimp can, it's, it's field of vision. The spectrum of its eyes is way wider than ours, so it can see in infrared and it can see some of the UV lights. And it's like, what does the world look like to a mantis shrimp? What, what is it seeing that we aren't? I bet it's fucking weird. It's seeing the possibilities of the future. Do, do you remember, uh, just one space odyssey? No, not that one. Close Encounters of the First Kind. Oh, uh, I thought it was a third kind. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, so I I, I remember. Encounters but I the third don't. kind. When it was uh at the end, it was like they're using song. Oh to yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, somebody recreated that on VR chat, and so uh, me and Joe <laughs> nice. went there, and I played my tuba for the aliens. That's funny. And my trombone. That's what this was. Okay. Honestly, if aliens came and they look like that, I'd be like, oh shit, XCOM was right. We are fucked. I think it would be great if aliens showed up and they looked just like us, except they wore like aluminum foil bikinis and they were green, but they had like seventies era haircuts. And it's that like this is fun. a joke, right? <laughs> yeah. And they go like blip blorp, blah 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 blah, and it's like, mm, 
I'm not sure I believe it yet. We're at a, we're at an hour of this really weird episode we just did. Uh, do we want to wrap it up? Yeah, I'm sorry for coming in negative. Why don't we uh, leave ha uh ha ha happy positively? Yeah, that one. My I, my glad space. Um, this is kind of a weird one because it, it's more of a funny story that happened, but it's not like a positive story anyway. In a way, I was playing ping pong with my neighbors yesterday, and the guy that's been letting me try all these non-alcoholic beers brought some more, and uh, he walked them over, which is important because they were carbonated, and I did not know that. So he's like, "Hey, you want one?" And I was like, "Man, you're like." You're like the Santa Claus of NA beer. This is fucking great. He's like, I'm like Santa Claus. And I was like, yeah, you're my new friend. And I popped it open and it fucking exploded. And so I stuck my face on it to like try to get it from because it was, you know, gushing out. And I get like beer all over. You know, I take these huge swallows. It's like coming out of my nose. I'm laughing so hard. It's spilling all over me. And uh, it was I was like, never mind. You're not Santa. Santa wouldn't be this mean to me. And it was very funny. I get I get this this beer just all over me. Like I I think I spilled like a, a good quarter of the can, if not a third of it, which turned out to be kind of in my favor because it didn't taste very good, and I ended up dumping more of it down the sink later on when no one was looking. Um, but that was uh I don't know there there's something about that like piece of slapstick stupidity where like the beer exploded because <laughs> sometimes that happens that really struck me as hilarious for for when it happened and then even just like a day later i'm like ah that was a funny story how about you cameron do you have anything uh fun or funny or good or glad or glad no oh are you sure i mean i'm sure there's something right how about your dog? Did did your dog make you glad at all this week? Uh, yeah, he was watching the NFL draft with the with the parents. Did I show you that? I don't think so. So he came, uh, like everyone's watching football and watching a football draft, and then uh, he comes out of the dog room carrying his football because he likes to play football when it's football time. That's really cute. I'm opening and downloading and opening this MP4. Go so faster, computer, Jesus Christ. There we go. Just picture picture Corgi playing with a football. Oh, he is a little Corgi. It's... He's so cute. Yeah. Look how short his legs are. His ears yeah, are taller than his legs. he loves football season. See, that's good. That's, see, there you go. You found something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we, uh... Are we done here, Cameron? Did we do a good job? Yay! Oh, shit, I forgot the, the Frostbite Orc Kings, that AI band, put out a new song this week, and I was going to send that to you and talk about it. Maybe we can do that next week. I don't know if it's actually that interesting. I think some parts of it are and parts of it aren't. But Oh, um, yeah, let's let's do that. Like, I, honestly, um, AI has been uh, in the news a lot lately, so I'm curious where things are going we might have more than one thing to talk about next week okay cool it's been it's been like a, a month since we've done a little bit of an ai thing but it, it keeps it keeps showing up in the news for a reason it also keeps uh going in like weird directions <laughs> like it'll it's advancing faster than other technologies have advanced which is part of the concern anyways yeah uh did i show you that vr chat world where you can talk to an ai no. So this person has uh, it, it's set up in the world, and it's a character that stands there, and you can walk up to her and just say something, and it hears you, and it will uh, text-to-speech respond to you. That's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Uh, it's not like the smartest talking AI, but as an experiment, it kind of works. And it's kind of interesting. I like to show people, to, you know, hey... Look at this, and you kind of you'll say a couple things to it, and go, "Oh, that's neat," and then just stop because it's like, "Yeah, what do you like? <laughs> what's the point?" We're still in this weird experimental phase where it's not clear what is or isn't useful yet. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah. Until next time, I hope everyone takes care.
yeah, you guys take care of yourselves. And if you don't, the the beer sand is going to come and spill beer all over your pants. And you're going to smell like beer and it's going to distract you and you're going to lose that ping pong. I think we saved some lives tonight, Cameron. I think I think we did it. <laughs> That's a good way to end. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>